Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. It is great to be here with you today. I hope that you are having a wonderful start to your 5782, to your new year. I'm very fortunate that in the days leading up to this new year, I had the great blessing of escorting my oldest daughter to her chuppah. It's hard for even me to appreciate the magnitude of this simcha. But while I'm showered with this brach, I'm also keenly aware that many people right now are struggling to find their shidduch. It's well known that our Orthodox community, for example, faces a shidduch crisis. As a Jewish community, we promote institutions that are vital to Jewish life, institutions like the family. And yet, here is a huge challenge that arises for many people, given our intense focus. Our society is built around the nuclear family, but what about those people who lack, in some form or another, a family of their own? Religious Jews deeply value marriage and procreation, and we promote this so much, and rightfully so. It is a mitzvah rabbah, it is a great mitzvah, upon which the continuity of the Jewish people depends. And yet, it presents a challenge for those who find difficulty in finding their match. Sipara Zalmanovitz is a 32-year-old Orthodox woman and attorney. She is single and has faced significant challenges in dating. In a recent podcast, Tipora described what it was like to be a young woman, 19 years old, and feeling like she'll probably marry one of the first guys that she dates. She deeply wanted to get married, but it didn't turn out that way. And she describes a dual challenge that arose in her life. First was her own personal lack of fulfilling that dream and the loss of self-esteem that came with those dating difficulties. But second was a growing challenge of living within her own Jewish community, getting together with friends and all people talked about were their husbands or their kids, things that she, of course, did not have. What's more, she had many experiences where she did not feel respected in the community, like attending a simcha and being sat at a kid's table as a 26-year-old adult. As I listened to her plight, the following thought occurred to me. We're raising people in a society where we strongly encourage marriage and children. And these are beautiful things, but shidduch crisis or no shidduch crisis, there's always going to be folks that don't find their match so easily. And what's more, there will be plenty of people who get married and struggle to have kids. What does a young person do when all their friends say are talking about the kids and she doesn't have any? In today's Torah Journey podcast, We're going to explore how to address this issue as a Jewish society and what it means for our own personal journey as well. The new year is a time that we consider the plight of someone who was marginalized. Last week on Rosh Hashanah, we read the opening story of Hannah in 1 Shmuel, the book of Samuel. And Sefer Shmuel, Samuel, is an incredible book. It's an important Sefer that represents a bridge between the end of the period of the Shoftim, the judges, and the beginning of the Malchus, the monarchy. 
Shmuel himself was a transitional figure as the last of the judges and the initiator of the kingship. And this transitional figure was brought into the world by Hannah. The verses describe how at first she was childless and her co-wife Penina, who was blessed with children, verbally tormented Hannah, calling attention to Hannah's painful lack of children. The Gemara in Bava Basra 16a teaches us that while Hannah was derided for being childless, Penina's intentions were actually for the sake of heaven. That's right, the Talmud states that Penina wanted to motivate Hannah to pray more unto Hashem. In spite of these positive intentions, the rabbis criticized Penina for this decision. The Torah teaches us, Lotonu isha One man shall not oppress his fellow, and you shall fear Hashem. There have to be better ways to motivate people to pray than to cause them pain. And so this understanding that our rabbis present of Penina really is a riveting insight, because I think that people can make the mistake of using religious fervor to motivate other people, and in the process cause them anguish. There's no mitzvah in any of this. In interacting with any individual, there's a prohibition against verbal oppression, as we may not speak to a person in a way that highlights their challenges or their shortcomings. But while Khan experienced these challenges, she didn't just passively wallow in misery. She proactively reached out to her creator in an act of tefillah prayer, which the Talmud considers a model of prayer. The verses describe how Hannah spoke to God in a palpable conversation so real that Ailey the Kohen thought she might be drunk. Following this heartfelt tefillah of Hannah, the verse states that she no longer felt her anger. Her face was no longer downtrodden. So what happened in these moments of prayer when she overcame her hurt feelings, even before she conceived of a child. And the answer may be as simple as the fact that she prayed. As the verses describe, Hannah's lips moved in conversation with Hashem. And while Ailey perceived her as some kind of foolish woman, the reality was that she was experiencing a deep connection with her creator she was connecting to Hashem and understanding in the process that she herself has a deeper value than meets the eye. And this gets to the heart of our conversation about people who might feel on the margins. In truth, Judaism values the widow, the childless, the single, the divorced, any person. Every individual, whatever life circumstance they are in, is a legitimate Oved Hashem, a legitimate servant of the Almighty, regardless of their familial status. And there's many examples of this in history. A famous one is Sarah Schneer, who was the founder of the Beis Yaakov movement. Sarah Schneer got divorced at a young age from an incompatible marriage, and she was married briefly before her early passing at the age of 51, and she had no biological children of her own. As the founder of Beis Yaakov, she had many students who considered themselves to be her offspring. And in truth, she was, of course, one of the most prolific educators and leaders of the past couple of centuries. But you don't have to be the founder of Beis Yaakov to have a legacy. 
And this is a truth that is spelled out by Yeshayahu the prophet, because one of the most stirring and powerful moments of every public minor fast is the haftarah that we read in the afternoon at Mincha time. In that haftarah, Yeshayahu addresses the person who does not have children. It's a message for the ages. In the 55th chapter, the Navi calls upon the Jewish people to return to God. Dear Shu Hashem Bihimatso, Karuhu Bioso Karov, seek God when he can be found, call upon him when he is near. And then in the next verses, the prophet addresses specific things that we're supposed to fulfill, like Mishpat and Tzedakah, righteousness and justice, for God saving is close. Not only that, but we are to guard the Sabbath from desecrating it. And then here, in that context of Shabbos, the prophet addresses the person who has no family. And Yeshayahu posits that the convert or the stranger unto the Jewish people or a barren person without children might declare that God has separated them from his nation. Behold, they will say, I am a withered tree. The barren person might be thinking to themselves that I'm lacking an inheritance. And to this, the prophet assures them, so says Hashem to those that are barren that observe my Sabbaths and choose that which I desire and hold strong unto my bris. I will give them within my home a yad v'shem, an inheritance that is greater than sons and daughters, an inheritance that is eternal, that will never be cut off. This is a very big development. We look at the Jewish world and we think that having children is the most eternal inheritance. And the prophet teaches us that it's not so. It is wonderful to have sons and daughters, but a person who guards the Sabbath will have an eternal name. Guarding Shabbos, upholding God's bris, his covenant, is not merely about Jewish culture. We're creating eternity, a lasting bond with Hashem and the Jewish people, a bond that can never cease. And it's something that everyone has access to. And so when we think about the challenges of a person who might feel disconnected, know what Hashem's message is to that person. They too can have a Yad Vashem, an eternal hand and a name that will never be taken away. It's actually a paradox. On the one hand, Shabbos is a time of communal gathering, and it could be trying for people who feel less connected to the community. And yet, it's exactly in this moment of talking about Shabbos that the prophet turns to us and says that God considers all of you to be equal. Shabbat is something everyone can attain, rich or poor, prominent, marginalized, the parent of a family, a single person, a couple without children, born Jew or convert. Shabbat is an inheritance that belongs to the entire Jewish people. It's the place that we become his people. And in that most critical part of God's covenant, we realize that we are all equal in Hashem's eyes. This is an important message for the Jewish community. 
yes, we advance the nuclear family, and we do so with good reason. But we also need to teach people what the depth and the truth of their value is. Judaism is not merely a culture. We are a people who serve God. True family is very big in our culture, but our essence is to serve Hashem. As we remark in the Shabbos morning davening, V'yismach Moshe b'mat neschelko ki eved ne'aman karasalo. And Moshe rejoiced in the allotment, the giving of his portion, for you, God, called him a faithful servant. How can we help the marginalized in our community? One answer is that we can promote the idea that we are all servants of God, all equal in Hashem's eyes. Over the years, I've seen a number of people pivot to this mindset of being a giver. I remember someone here in the community who got divorced and made a very big focus of helping other single people in the community. As a society, we need to promote the idea that we're all servants of God, whatever life circumstances we're in. And it's really a mindset that begins with each of us on an individual level. And so as we start this new year, in these first weeks of this new year, two things to consider are how we view ourselves and how we view other people. First, we need to view ourselves as servants of God. That's exactly what happened when Chana davened to Hashem. She connected with that deeper part of herself. And that's a first step because our relationship with ourselves is the basis for our relationship with other people. But then from that perspective of self-love and value, we turn to others. Imagine if you heard that someone was a close confidant of the President of the United States. Think of the respect that you would feel for that person. That's the honor we need to feel and show towards our fellow Jews. So when we show up to a simcha or a shul function or something that's happening in our neighborhood, consider how other people might be experiencing that occasion given where they are in life. Notice them, engage with them, and most of all, learn from them. Because the truth is that every person has something to teach us. And remember that even if someone appears to be like the withered tree, they are not so in the eyes of the Creator. Those that hold strong unto God's covenant are given a Yad Vashem, an inheritance that is even greater than sons and daughters. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.